Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Today we are starting a new series called As It Is In Heaven. And it's a series beginning uh, the lead up to Easter. So we're starting it now and in four or five weeks we're going to have Easter. But it leads us and it sets the foundation for our Easter series and messages that are going to be coming on Friday the 7th and um, Sunday the 9th of April. At Easter, what do we remember? We remember Jesus and how he died on the cross, right? We remember that. But the important thing is for us to know is why? We can know what Jesus did, but why did he do it? Oftentimes you might get asked by something by someone, your manager at work, or maybe when you were younger, your parent asked you to do something, and what came to your mind often? Why? I know for me as a young pastor's kid, a PK, I used to always say to my dad, why dad? Why do we have to do that? There was a big question of why. Jesus died for us, but why? And I think it's very important for us, it's vital for us as Christians to know why Jesus died on the cross for us. Because if you don't know that, you are missing a huge part of the gospel message. You are missing so much about what it means. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to spend time looking at creation, the fall, redemption, the future, so that we can have a greater understanding, a greater appreciation of what Jesus did at the cross and highlight the active, miraculous resurrecting power of Jesus at the cross and at Easter time that is available to all those who seek him. The title of my message today is titled Creation. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we just thank you at this time. We've been able to spend some time of praise and worship of you, which is so important, God, to come before you and to worship the Creator as your creation. God, I pray as we delve into your scriptures right now, you continue to speak to us to minister to men, women, and children in this place, Lord God. We want to encounter you, not man-made religion, not structures and institutions. We want to encounter the living God, the transforming power. So we thank you for that this morning. We give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone said? Come on, I think we can do better than that. Everyone said? When I was about 13 or 14 years of age, I had this epiphany, this thought that I would try to become a man of woodworking. I thought to myself, I'm going to become a man of woodworking. And so I don't know where that thought came from. Um, I had no giftings in the area. My hands are very soft even today. I'm a man of the keyboard, but I'm jumping ahead there. But I thought, how hard can it be? I looked around and I saw tables and chairs and I saw cabinets and bookcases and I thought... If someone made this, surely I could make this too. And uh, my dad was very gifted in this area of woodworking. He rebuilt a yacht, sailed it from Melbourne all the way to Darwin. Uh, For some reason, he didn't pass on those gifts to me, though. Kept them to himself. I think he didn't want the student to surpass the master. I don't know what it was, but he kept it to himself. My dad's here this morning. Just having a bit of a laugh here. And it should have been easy, right? There was no lack of tools We had plenty of tools, all hand tools that had been used over the years by my dad. Planers and chisels and hammers and drills and saws, all hand tools. They had plenty of tools. Uh, I had the passion and the desire. I just didn't have the skills. I didn't have the skill sets. But I said, you know what? I'm going to try this. 
So there was a cabinet, there was a desk in our house and it was missing a drawer. Don't know where we got this desk from, maybe Goodwill or something or Vinnie's, I don't know where it came from, but we had this desk and it was missing a drawer and I said to myself and my twin brother, we said, let's make this drawer. So we went into the garage, we found some pieces of timber, a handle, we knocked it all together, we did our best and we were marvelling at our creation and showed dad, dad was like, yeah, good Good job. He's gonna go gave a bit of a grimace. Uh, we showed mom, and she was like, "This is the most amazing draw that's ever been made in the world." If you know my mom, she's the greatest encourager in the world. If you need your tires pumped up, go see my mom. She's amazing, like that. And um, took the draw, went to put it in the desk, and this is where it all fell apart. It's like. This, this is really hard to get into the, into the little hole that it's supposed to go into and uh, it was bad, it was out of square and it didn't close or open properly, but I created it and so I was kind of happy and, but I realised something in that moment, I realised that my future was not the path of a carpenter or a woodworker, I realised that my future was not one day to have an Etsy store online charging exorbitant amounts of money for handcrafted woodworking that was not going to be in my future. There's something about the ability of someone or some person to take something, transform it and make it into something beautiful, right? To do something amazing like that. Look at, you know, I've talked about woodworkers and carpenters, builders, people in construction. You know, they take raw materials. They're just sitting there in the light and they take it and they build something amazing. These structures that we live in, that we work in, that we gather in like this, that we play in, amazing things like that. There's sculptors and painters and artists. They take rock. They take canvases, they take clay, they take, you know, different uh, paints and steels and they create these creative creations, right? These expressions of themselves, this, they transform something and create something beautiful. You've got designers and pattern makers and seamstresses and all these types of people. And they take fabrics, materials and thread and they weave it, they make it into these Beautiful clothes that we are wearing today, these fashion items that we have every day of our life. They take something, transform it, and make something truly beautiful. And at creation, this is what God did. The creator, the one who makes all things beautiful, came and he took something, transformed it, and made it truly something beautiful. If you have your Bibles, Genesis 1, chapter 1, we're starting all the way at the beginning uh, in our Easter series. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earths. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters. The Holy Spirit was there. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. I say to my kids, be quiet, and it just keeps on going on. But God speaks... Let there be light, and light appears. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And that was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And the rest of chapter 1 goes on to talk about the rest of God's creating. He creates the the sky, and then there's the the land, and the, the trees, and the plants that are on it. And then he continues in creation, the stars, and the moon, and the sun, and all the things in the heavenly realms. And then it's the, the animals in the sea, and the birds in the sky. Then it's the animals on the land. And then it climaxes. All of creation climaxes to the creation of humanity. Man and woman, male and female, he creates them. And 
Genesis 1 answers a question that for thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years, humanity, people, men and women, just like us, have asked the question, who or what made us? Who or what made us? The question that if you ever pause to think about it, if you ever stop from our busy day-to-day lives, what made us? How are we here? Who made us? For what purpose are we here? And as Christians, we believe, if we believe in the Bible, if we believe it is the inspired Word of God, if we believe it is infallible, if we believe the creation story, and we do at Elevation Church, we believe that Genesis 1 tells us very, very plainly, who made us? God made us. Who made you? God made you. Look at the person next to you and say, who made you? God made you. And so we know the who, but have you ever stopped to ask the why? We know the what of Chris, of Easter, but have we ever asked to stop the what, ask the why of Easter? We know the who of who made us in creation, but have we ever stopped to ask the why did God make us? Yes, we believe God made humanity. Yes, we believe God created male and female. We believe these things. But my question today, church, is why? Why did God make us? Why did he create this amazing creation? For what end and for what purpose did he do this thing? And this question, why, is is very important for us to be able to answer, for us to have a revelation of, for us to be able to receive. Because if we fully understand why God created us, then we fully will understand why he would then come to earth in the person of Jesus to then come and die for his creation. If we understand why he made us, we understand why he would take that step to then come and die to save us. It all starts to make sense, this thing we call Easter. So why did God create us? I'm not going to leave you in suspense today like sometimes preachers might do. I'm going to let you know right from the get-go. God created us for his glory. God created us for his glory. Isaiah 43 verse 6, I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for my glory, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. And this passage is is specifically talking about the nation of Israel, the, the children of Israel. But if you look at the bigger picture, everything ultimately in all of creation was created to bring glory to God, to have his name glorified. To have his name lifted up. We are going to Italy this year. My family and I, Gabby and my kids, we're going to Italy. And it's a trip that we've had long planned. We've had a few setbacks along the way of that planning. But this year it's happening. Flights are booked. Accommodation is booked. A couple of tours are booked. And so we're going to make that happen. I can't wait. And the sights, the culture, the food... Come on, the food, uh, you know, the experiences, time off. It's going to be an amazing time. And one of the sites we really want to see is we're going to a town called Florence. And we want to see one of the sites there is the site of the Statue of David. Now, I was going to put a picture up today, but I thought, you know what? I don't really need emails coming in this week asking me why I put a picture of a naked man on the screen. 
on church in the morning. So I'll let you go away and Google it yourself. But there's a statue of David that we want to go and see. And it's a statue uh, that was made, sculpted of, of King David from the Bible, the biblical King, King David. And so we want to go see this, this statue. And I've been told that in Florence there are actually multiple copies, multiple images, multiple reflectors, multiple replicas of this statue of David. In fact, I believe there might be three. I don't know 100% because I haven't been there yet, but I can tell you when I come back. But they all reflect the image of the original. They're not all the same. They're not all quite the same. I don't think they're all as, as big or something along those lines. But they point to the original. They give glory. They point back to the original statue of King David. Genesis 1.27 so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I want us to look at that passage there. He says he created them in his own image. In his image. He created us in his own image. God made us in his image so that the world would reflect him. So that the world would be full of people, of men and women that reflect that image, that are image bearers of God Almighty. 7.8 billion. Did you know that? There's now 7.8 billion of us on this earth walking and talking, reflecting God. John Piper says this, God created us for His glory. We were made to reflect His greatness, to bear His image, to magnify His name, to bring glory to God. And the earth is full of Billions of human image bearers of God. 7.8 images of God bringing glory to God. But not just humans, creation as well. God created mankind, yes, but he also created creation. In Psalm 19 verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. You only have to spend a moment, a short period of time out in nature to appreciate creation. You go to the night sky and you see the, the stars. You look at all the different creatures and animals that God has made that wander the earth. You look at the different habitats and environments that are on this earth that we live in and you marvel at and you wonder and you say, God is amazing. He has created all these things and you glorify, you give glory to God in all of creation. Unfortunately, while we are image bearers of God, unfortunately, we are fallen. And we are no longer that glorious image that God intended us to be reflecting Him. We are now fallen people because of sin that entered this world. And we were made to bring glory to God, but we've fallen short of this purpose. Romans 1.20 For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood for what was made, what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Look at creation. God made this. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human and birds and animals and reptiles. The scripture says here, we've exchanged glorifying God. For the glorification of ourselves. We've exchanged glorifying God for glorifying celebrities and career and glorifying, you know, our marriage or glorifying ourselves. What was meant to be glorified is no longer glorified. We glorify instead of the creator, we glorify the created. 
And we see that this is the essence of what sin is. And this is what we will talk about next week when we look at the fall in week two. But this is, this is uh, the essence of sin. And so you might be asking yourself today, why should we bring glory to God? God created us. Okay, why should we bring glory to God? Because sometimes it's not enough to say, well, because the Bible says so. So do it. Like oftentimes I say to my children, they're like, why should I do that? And it's like, because I said so. And it's like, then they don't do it. See, I could say to you that because God made us for that reason, we're to glorify God. Case closed. We're handing out the rest of the week. But today I want to step us through what it means for us to glorify God, what it can mean for our lives. See, glorifying God leads to joy in the Lord. The world will tell you if you want joy, if you are seeking happiness, if you're seeking some sort of satisfaction or contentment in your life, the world will tell you you need to seek that in a person. You need to seek that in, a, in an experience. You need to seek that in perhaps a bank account or, or fame or career. You need to seek that in a substance or sex or whatever it might be. The world says this is what you will find. You will find joy in knowledge. But I'll tell you something. I've tried some of those things. Now, I haven't tried all of them, but I've tried some of them. Some people here today, maybe you have tried all of them. But what you found is what I found. They didn't bring joy to your life. They didn't bring satisfaction or contentment. There is only one who can bring that. His name is God. And there's only one way you can experience that joy is in glorifying God. And why is that? Why is it that we can't find satisfaction in things of the earth, but only in the things of God and, God and glorifying God? Because all of those things are about finding satisfaction in myself for me. But the glory of God is all about bringing the glory and the honor to God Almighty because He deserves it. He deserves our glory. God says to us, if you will glorify me, if you will make your life about me, if you will find in me, if you will seek me, you will find the joy that the world doesn't get, that you may not understand. You will find something in your life that you've been searching for all your life, but it's a joy that comes from my glory, my presence, that comes from me as you glorify me. You will find joy in bringing glory to God. The scriptures back up what I'm saying, Psalm 107, 21. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wondrous deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thanks, thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Psalm 16, 11, You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. That's why I want to encourage you so much in your day-to-day life. The presence of God, yes, is here on Sunday mornings. But I want to encourage you in your day-to-day life, invite the Holy Spirit's presence around your life. Because in the presence of the Lord, you will find what joy the scriptures say, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So we're to glorify God because in glorifying God, we will experience joy in our life. Is there anyone here this morning that is hoping, looking, that would like joy in their life? Yes, we want joy in our life. We will find it in God. So if that is what it's about, glorifying God because he made us and because we can experience joy in God, how then do we glorify God? 
I want to take a moment now just to share some quick thoughts about how we can do that. If you're taking notes, write these down. We glorify God by entering into a personal relationship with Him. The first step, the very first step that we take in glorifying God, the very, the very beginning, the very start, the first thing that we do to glorify God is to enter into a personal relationship with Him through receiving Jesus Christ and what He did at the cross at Easter. And in the coming weeks, we're going to go into more detail. But what you need to understand this is that God's glory isn't just revealed in creation. God's glory isn't just revealed in, in, in mankind and, and, and male and female. God's glory is further shown in His grace that He extends to us. That he would come to live, leave the heavenly glories, come down to earth. Can I tell you something? It must have been a stench for him to come into the sinful world that we are living in, to live perfect life. The glory of God is displayed in God's grace given to us when Jesus comes, dies on the cross to save us. Romans 10.9, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he raised that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The first step for any person in glorifying God is to enter into a personal relationship with him. Today, maybe you're here and it's the first time you're hearing this message. Maybe you've never been in church before. Today, maybe you're here and you grew up in a Christian home, but you've never made that decision yourself as an adult. Today, I want to give you an opportunity every Sunday we give you an opportunity to invite God into your life, to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to say, Bronson, I want to invite him into my life. And today I'm going to give you that opportunity. Humanity's ultimate purpose is to glorify God and in so doing to experience the fullness of joy that comes from a relationship with him. We glorify God by entering into a personal relationship with him Number two, we glorify God by our worship. The kids could come. We glorify God by our worship. The Bible continuously talks in Scripture, references, uh, at, uh, um, commands us, encourages us, continually talks about worshiping Him, to be praising Him. To, 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 it makes very clear that God delights in the activity of worship. And there are many verses, so many verses to list. Uh, go into the Proverbs, go into the Psalms, go through all the Scriptures, go home and do a, re, uh, you know, a Google search today, but a few verses here today, Psalm 29.2, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. The Scriptures say, Ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due. You know when, when someone has done something and you're like, well, they, they deserve this now. Or, or, or when there's an act that occurs and it's like, well, this is the right thing to now do. Well, it's saying here, Ascribe to God. The glory that is due to His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God. We offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And so we worship God. Because He is due it. We ascribe it to Him, the glory of His name. He is due it. And we, we give glory to God. And it brings us to a place of reverence and awe. It brings us to a place of greater appreciation. It brings us to a place of, wow, 
in a place full of billions and billions and billions and billions of galaxies, trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of stars. There was a creator who created all this, created all this and everything that exists and me and the person sitting next to me. There is a God and He loves me. And this is why at church we begin our services with praise and worship. This is why we begin it because we ascribe to God the glory that is due to Him. We start off by saying to God, God, we've come to worship you this morning. We're setting aside everything else and we want to start this morning, start it by praising you, giving you glory, coming in reference and all before Him. We glorify God by entering into a relationship with Him. We glorify God through our worship. And thirdly and finally, we glorify God in all we do. We bring glory to God in our day-to-day lives and an attitude that whatever we are doing, we are glorifying God. It's a sobering scripture. uh, I'm going to go into a scripture verse soon, but it's a sobering thought to have, isn't it? In everything I do, I'm going to give glory to God. You know, it really convicts me when, when I've got a bad attitude or when, you know, I'm asked to do something by my wife and I'm like, I'm just chilling on the couch. Why? Why are you going to attack me like this by asking me to do something? I get a bad attitude or, you know, someone says something or this, I'm on driving down the road, you know, and someone pulls in front of me, right? And Rager Bronson wants to rear his head and it's like, everything I do, I give glory to God. Come on, am I giving glory to God when, I'm, when I've got the bad attitude on the couch or when I'm shaking my fist? I'm not. So come on, everything I do, I give glory to God. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or do, deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And here's the thing. Glorifying God is a once, isn't a once-off prayer that we pray to enter into a relationship with, with God. Glorifying God isn't uh, worship that we do on a Sunday morning or maybe during the week we, uh, we put some worship songs on and we sing some songs to God at home or in the car. It's not just those things. Glorifying God is the way that you live your life. It's in all that you do. And I would even say it's the more true indication of your glorification of God, that you are glorifying and that you're worshipping Him. The fact that your day-to-day life, you are an image bearer of Christ. In your day-to-day life, you are, you are that, 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 that statue, that replica of God. Hey, if you want to see what God looks like, I'm trying my best to reflect what He looks like. I'm less of the flesh that I used to be. The Holy Spirit has came into my life, taken something, transformed it, made it a new creation, something beautiful. I'm trying to be an image bearer, a reflector of God, not just on a Sunday when all my Christian brothers are here to see me raising my hands, or not just when I said the prayer, Jesus come into my life. Day to day, walking with God, inviting the Holy Spirit to lead us, every day of our lives when life is hard Jesus I'm glorifying you when life is good God I'm glorifying you in all that I do looking after kids at work in the hospital in the car buying groceries all that I do God I'm bringing glory to your name I'm bringing glory to your name see that we would glorify you in every moment of our lives in every season, in every opportunity, in every chance that God would be glorified in all that we do.
as I finish this morning. See, we were made for God's glory. He made us to be His image bearers. Unfortunately, along the way, things were broken. We're broken, every one of us. Broken human beings. But God's glory is revealed again at the cross through the unveiling of His grace that He extends to us through the person of Jesus and through the relationship He offers to us. Today, every person here, I want to encourage you, God, in my life today, during this Easter season and the lead up to it, God, how am I bringing glory to Your name? At creation, You made me. Why? To bring glory to Your name. I didn't go into it today, but God didn't create us because He needed us. God was not lacking. God was not in any way deficient in any way whatsoever. He was fully self-sufficient in Himself, all-powerful, all-knowing. But He made us to reflect His glory. A glorious God reflecting His glory. In our relationship with God, this, 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 this period of time, I want us to encourage us to think about it. God, Am I really seeking you? Am I really desiring you? My relationship with you, am I bringing glory to you? Maybe am I just going through the motions? But God, today I want a revelation of your glory and who you are and what you did for me at creation. And right now we've got a video across this series of this Easter series as it's in heaven. We have some testimony videos that we want to share with you. Right now I've got a video that I want to share with us. It's from one of our pastors, Isaac, from our Gold Coast location. If you just want to watch this, and I'm going to come back, and I want to pray for us and give an invitation for people to receive Jesus. But just look to the screen right now. Thank you. Well, I remember it was 2019, 2020, and my wife and I had just taken the leadership of our Redlands location at the time. And it was exciting. It was going really well. Uh, as an Enneagram 3, I thrived on hitting the metrics, the KPIs, and doing all of those external things that looked right and looked successful. And I remember just buying into that rhythm and, and it was great, it was exciting like I said, but got to a point maybe six months into it where externally I was doing really well, but internally there was just a void, there was a gap. And I remember going to this dark place where I just became numb and I, I realized that my whole relationship with God was purely transactional and it was me doing things for him, hitting the KPI, being the guy, being there for everyone, having the answers and, and it was trickling into my relationship with him where uh, I was only spending time reading the word to get a sermon. I was spending time reading the word to speak to someone or get a thought to share with team and, and there was no personal relationship with God. And I remember hitting a wall one Sunday where I was just sitting there and I just didn't feel anything in the service. I didn't feel any excitement. There was no joy. I was just completely numb. I felt externally successful and internally void of any emotional relationship with God. And here I was the pastor, right? Feeling that way. And I remember I hit that wall and, and God wrecked me and broke me down where he said, Isaac, I've created you in my image. I've designed you for relationship with me. It's not about living off what you're doing for me, but it's about engaging with me as father, as, as someone who's created and designed you. And it was in that moment where I began to make some decisions and, 
and pursue God for my own growth and relationship as a son of God created in his image. And so I found rejuvenation and refreshment through prayer, through Bible reading, not to give things to other people, but to spend time with him as a son created in his image. And, and it began a whole journey where I began to see health in my own ministry. I relate better with people. I was a better husband and now father. And as I lock into God as my creator, as my father and me as his son, uh, I began to see health in my whole world overflow in everything that I do. And maybe you're here and, and that's what it's been for you with God. It's been a relationship built around transaction, business, uh, where it's all about what you're doing for God. And if you're honest, it's just tiring. And can I encourage you to take time to stop, to pause and to engage God as father, as creator, as the one who designed you in his image, created you in his image as a son or a daughter, not to just do things for him, but to be with him and to know him as a father who wants a relationship with you. Let's just pray this morning. Lord God, we just thank you in this place today. God, I pray, God, as children of yours, as image bearers of yours, Lord God, today I pray every single one of us that we would glorify you, that we would bring glory to your name.